Welcome everyone to the My Formula Way. I'm Coach Ray, and I got my man right here, Chino.mov, Alex Silva, on the ones and twos and threes and fours behind the scenes. And I just am again so excited to have this episode with an amazing human being uh, that I've gotten to know over the years, um, Maritza Caballero Calderon, or did I say it right? Calderon Caballero. They, see, I messed it up already. <laughs> but uh, I know her as Maritza, and um, she has been a force of nature that I've seen in the city of Newburgh and in the Hudson Valley, Orange County. She has just, uh, she's a person that just enlightens people when she walks into the room, and she's so giving. She is a pharmacist, she's a mom, she's a wife, she's a daughter, she's just a, an amazing human being, and it is my honor to have you here and, oh. and to, to, to be on the show, so thank you for coming. Thank you for having me and considering me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Why not? You know, um, and you know, I know you've uh, gone through ups and downs in your life and a lot of challenges over the years, but you're also a great supporter of anything that has to do with fundraising for Puerto Rico. You've been posting things all over the place and you're involved in these events and fundraising. You're also involved in causes for cancer and Zumbathon. She's an unbelievable Zumba instructor. Um, so what I want to talk about is just all these things that you've been involved in, but really taking it back to your childhood and growing up and how you were born and raised and where you were born and raised and what that journey's been like for you. Well, I was born in the Bronx. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yep, BX and um, Boogie Down. But came up here as a baby. My dad uh, was transferred, found a job up here, transferred up here. So I grew up in the city of Newburgh on Bayview Terrace with the view of the Hudson River, the most beautiful view. And went to private school. I went to St. Francis. Dealt with some things there. Made me the person, um, lots of racism. Hmm. in Newburgh at the time still still to this day but it was pretty bad back then um went to South Junior High went to NFA started at 14 I worked in a pharmacy Monument Street pharmacy with the sweetest pharmacist um Sandy Lieberman sweetest old Jewish guy you could ever imagine and he inspired me to go into pharmacy initially I, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician and then I considered being a vet because I love animals but this man just totally changed my mind completely he was just such a sweet person and I said you know what this is what I want to do and I saw him helping his community and and being there for them and I said you know what this is what I want to do I want to become a pharmacist and that was it I made up my mind I went to NFA and funny story my counselor at NFA I go and I tell him okay I need your help I need to find the pharmacy schools in New York and he looks at me and he's like no, I, I I think didn't really know who I was, didn't look at my grades, knew nothing about me. Oh, I don't know if that's a wise choice. Maybe you should consider going to a trade school. Just brushed me off. And I said, uh, no, I, I really want to go to pharmacy school. Well, maybe you should reconsider that. I left so upset. And that day I went I asked my dad to take me down to the library. I did my research. I saw what schools offered pharmacy. Uh, and my parents, they're not college educated. They didn't know which way to direct me or what to do. Um, so I you know, found out what schools, reached out to them. They sent me the applications, applied myself, and got into pharmacy school with no help 
from my counselor who was supposed to be there for me and guide me. So uh, it was a, a pivotal moment in my life where I said, you know, I need to do what I need to do for me because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they see a young black girl, a young Latina girl. They're not going to make that effort to help us. So we need to help ourselves. And as we get older, try to help others, which has been a mission of mine. So, Which you've done amazing at. Um, <laughs> so what do you think kind of drove you to want to pursue something like that? What was kind of inside you that said, I really want to do this. So I really want to find out more about this. I knew it was a field dominated by men back then, Jewish men. I even, there was a, a pharmacy on William Street called Jirasi's. And my dad was good friends with the pharmacist there. And he took me in there and, and told the pharmacist, oh, you know, my daughter wants to become a pharmacist. And he's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Go to, go to medical school or become a doctor or, you know, but don't. And even he tried to, you know, push me another way. And I said, no, no, this is what I want to do. So the, now there's pharmacy is made up more than 50% of women. So w there's more women now in the field, but back okay. then there really weren't. So that was kind of like my drive. Like, especially when people tell you, you can't do something, that's when you're like, no, yes, I can. And watch me. So that was a big thing. And, and that's, what's interesting. Cause some people, they go down on that, but some people it lifts them up. So just that drive to have that desire to want to keep moving forward and the fact that you know you have parents that really didn't know much about that so tell me a little bit about their background and and kind of where they grew up and and kind of came to new york what, what did they come from puerto rico, puerto, puerto rico. They came from puerto rico yeah my mother's from old san juan oh, okay and um, my dad was a country boy he's from morovis mm. and they met in brooklyn so um, in Los Sures de Brooklyn. Yeah. And they, um, when they first came from um, Puerto Rico, my dad moved uh, to 116th Street. My mom lived in Chelsea with her sister. And then somehow, although they both first came to Manhattan, then they eventually moved to Brooklyn and they ended up meeting in Brooklyn, which was pretty cool. So, and then um, my dad was working for a company that moved up here and they asked him to come up here and, and manage the, the store for them. And this is how we ended up in Newburgh. Wow. So when did you start from, from college? What, what college did you go to? Um, LIU in LIU? Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Oh, so you were down there in Brooklyn and, and for LIU yes. and then bring, bringing yourself up to the Hudson Valley and, 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 and Newburgh as far as working was concerned. Did you start off working in Newburgh or? I did not. Did I, not? I okay. had no intention of returning back to Newburgh. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, you know, I dealt with a lot of stuff in Newburgh that mm -hmm. I just, uh, I said, okay, I'm going to school in the city. I'm going to be a city girl. I'm not coming back to Newburgh. My parents stayed in Newburgh. And then I met my husband, um, had my daughter, and I said... I need to go back to Newburgh. Wow. I need to raise my children in Newburgh. Okay. And and so so you guys met down there in the city and then moved up here when when the children were born already or when, when my first daughter when my daughter was born, we had just bought a house in Brooklyn. Okay. We hadn't even been in the house a year and then um I was I became pregnant and I had my daughter and I said we need to move I my fa my mother and father are upstate. I need my you know to be near my family, help me raise my daughter. His my mother had just retired. His family was all still working, so I'm like we're moving back to Newburgh. And he was a city boy. He's like, what? Newburgh? <laughs> Let's go. So we came back up to Newburgh. I said, yeah, I, you know, I 
I grew up in Newburgh, and I think I did okay, and I want the same experience for my children. So, and you felt a sense probably of community, like you, yes. you're familiar with it, even though you might have gone through some struggles and trials and tribulations, you felt that it felt comfortable to you and you wanted to be back in that, yes, which yes. is so great. And <laughs> I got to ask, though, when did your love for music come into play? Because I know, you know, we've talked many times on house music and hip hop. I and love salsa kind of music, and yes. everything. When did that start? Did that start when you were really young? Yes, from my parents, actually. My father's a huge salsa lover, but my parents are both very um, much into like Motown, loved Motown, and I grew up listening to all types of, of music. So my parents actually instilled that love into me. That's awesome. And um, how about dance? Because I know you started dancing probably early on. What was it like growing up, maybe in Newburgh, and then going to the city what were those uh, experiences like as far as dancing and going to clubs and things like that? Well, as a young girl, I loved dance and would ask my dad. I, I don't know if my dad wanted a boy. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm, Dad, can I take dance lessons? No. No, 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 no. Play basketball or play baseball like I was on the basketball team at, at St. Francis. And I'm like, but dad, I want to dance. He's like, well, you might hurt yourself. <laughs> I'm like, what? I might hurt myself playing basketball. For some reason, like he, he, he's like, I don't know if he didn't have time to take me to lessons. or he, I mean, he was already playing for private school. I don't, I don't know if he could afford additional sure. dance lessons, whatever the case was. But he, he kind of, you know, turned me away from like professional lessons. But I just loved it. It was inside me. So any chance I got, I, I danced and danced. And then when I went to college in the city, oh, that was like the mecca of the big clubs at that time. My very first day in Brooklyn, my another friend of mine's from NFA that ended up going to LIU too. We jumped on a on a train not knowing where we were going, went into Manhattan, got off and went to Studio 54. Yeah. Don't ask me how we got there. <laughs> we found it, we made it, we danced all night long and that was just it. I was like Hooked. In the clubs all the time. I don't even know. My I was on probation my first semester <laughs> in college. <laughs> and even if you ask people that I went to school with, to LIU, and, and they're like, oh, well, you know, if someone I haven't seen in a long time, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I became a pharmacist. And they're like, no, you were always out clubbing and dancing. Stop it. And I'm like, no, but I finished. I became a pharmacist. They're like, no way. <laughs> so every everybody that knows me knew how much I love to dance. To the even, like, in the clubs, I would have people ask me, especially like house music, um, I would have like Barbara Tucker um, ask me if I would go on tour with her. My friends danced for Mariah Carey. They would tell me to go audition. And I'm uh, like, well, my dad would kill me if I left pharmacy school to go dance around the world, even though that's what I really wanted to do. Um, I said, no, you know, I'm, I don't, I didn't want to stir any pots at my house. So I didn't do that. But you know, eventually, as the years went on, Zumba came into my life and kind of helped, you know, feed the soul with more dance. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that was your, that was your spirit calling. You know what I mean? And so what kind of drove you to, uh, as you as you say, like in college, you, you went to college the first semester, struggled somewhat. What was that change in you that started to be like, 
you know what, I really have to pay attention to working harder with school. Because a lot of times that happens to college students. You go into it, you realize, oh, wow, this is a little bit more difficult to handle than I thought, especially on the social aspect, I'm sure. What was kind of that change? When did that happen for you? And how did that happen for you? I joined um, SNAFA, which was the Student National Pharmaceutical Association, and I made friends. And this is this was more of a minority-based um organization and so I started hanging around more like-minded people that were in pharmacy school that wanted to better themselves more minorities and that kind of made a change in me like I it's a good thing I'm hanging out with these people now because now I need to focus on my school my career so that brought around uh, you know just changing the people I was hanging out with really made a difference yeah people places and things that's what I always say right and so from uh, you're getting your bachelor's, did you have to go on for further education? How, how, much, how many other parts no, of education? No, just with my bachelor's. bachelor's. It was a five-year okay. program, and, and I graduated with my bachelor's. Excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. And how, how far after that, or how long after that, were you able to get an actual position as a pharmacist from that point? Well, I took the boards, mm-hmm. and as soon as we, my grades came in, I was able to start working. So it was, it was a couple of months after. So it wasn't too difficult, yeah. How do you see the field now and the industry now as far as for Latinos, Latinas, and and people that are looking to get into this field? What are kind of the prospects for it? Is it it an open field? Does it look like it's growing? Or does it, you know, what, what is your sense of it? It's at, right now is a good time to go into it, um, especially for Latinos and Latinas that speak the language. It's in, it's in, a huge need. I have been employed and uh, make a decent salary due to the fact that I'm bilingual because that's a big, big plus. You know, the nation, so many people, we're, we're so many Latinos here in the U.S. So it's, it's really health care professionals in all aspects that are bilingual are extremely in need right now. So what are some of the things that youth and young adults can kind of look forward toward as they're learning about pharmacy, if they are going into the sciences, are internships pretty important or maybe getting into working in some sort of uh, facility that has pharmacy in there? What kind of things should they look for in, in terms of going into the field? Mentorship. Mentorship. I, when, when young girls come with their parents, especially if I see their Latina, I'll ask them, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to be a pharmacist like me? If you ever want to have any questions, you know, feel free to come talk to me. Right now, I mean, for a couple of years now, and it's hard because I've been trying to form like a Latina healthcare organization with like Latina doctors, nurses, PAs, pharmacists, and I've had such a struggle finding doctors. Mm. So it's it's something that, you know, we as a community need to talk to our children about and nurture. And I try, you know, we who's who's going to take care of your grandparents? Who's going to take care of your parents? You know, I, sometimes parents come with their kids to translate, but there's a lot lost in translation. Like even in the pharmacy, when patients come up and I speak to them in Spanish, it's like, They've seen God. Absolutely. You know, so it's very important for us to promote um, these healthcare professions to our children and so that they can help our grandparents, their parents, 
and so on, and, and future generations. Sure. And uh, the industry is, is very broad, and it, you can make some good money. And, you and sure you can. can. You, know, you can yes, have yes. a good life, you know. You just got to put the work in. And I know, you know, for your childhood and going into college and, and going into industry and profession, you've worked hard, you know. And I think that's always something that we always have to promote is that it's working hard, and working smart, obviously, yes, yes. you know, and, and you've done that. So, you know, now when we tie in all the industry stuff with health, you know, the My Formula Way is all about health and wellness. It's about physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional health and wellness. And I always start off with the physical health and, and how important that is for everybody to at least pay attention to that on a daily basis. So in terms of physical health, what are some of the things you've struggled with and have overcome with your physical health, whether that's exercise or nutrition or just your body as a whole, that uh, has been along your journey that's brought you to where you are today? Definitely uh, nutrition. Mm. I'm the one that says, you know, live life, live in the moment, eat what you want, drink what you want, do what you want. Until, um, you know, so a couple of years ago was that cancer diagnosis that, you know, put a stop on things. I'm like, okay, I need to. And there was no reason to it. There was no, you know, they just couldn't understand where this diagnosis came from. So, you know, I had to attribute it to my health or my environment or what I was eating, things like that. So I had to kind of shift things after that. That was a big pause for me in my life. Take me back to that. What When you went to the doctor and that first time, what was that experience like for you when you got that diagnosis? Like, what went through your your mind? And well, your I actually i had I had gone for a mammogram the year before because I have I have family history. Okay, so I knew I had to start young, and then I had I, maybe six months before the diagnosis, I went for a physical. Doctor gave me the prescription for the mammogram, and I said, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm not worrying about it. I didn't schedule it or anything." But I, I was very um, diligent with doing my monthly examinations. And one night, I felt a lump. And I said, hmm, this, this isn't right. I said, I told my husband, feel this. And he's like, yeah, I feel something there. And I said, oh, it hurts a little. He's like, well, you better check that out. Absolutely. So I called my doctor, and I said, could you give me another prescription for a mammogram? I kind of didn't use the one you gave me. She said, sure. I gave them a call. I went for the mammogram. They said, we see something. You need a sonogram. Did the sonogram. Mm, something doesn't look right. You need a biopsy. I said, okay. I went in for the biopsy. The nurse is like, does it hurt to the touch? I said, yeah, it does. She's like, oh, that usually means it's nothing. So don't worry about it. I said, okay. So positive thinking. Sure. A couple of days later, I'm at work. And so my my primary doctor, uh, Latina, Dr. Yvette Torres, she's um, retired now. I knew that she only calls when there's a problem. Okay. So like one time my husband's cholesterol was sky high. She called at like 10 o'clock at night. So we knew there was a problem. So when I saw her number come up on my phone, I said, oh, this can't be good. <laughs> I, I was at work. I answered the phone. And she said, you know, Maritza, I'm sorry to tell you, but it came back positive. I said, okay. I went in the back um, of the pharmacy. I sat down. I cried for about two minutes. I said, okay, now get up. You have a fight to start, and you're going to get through this, and everything's going to be okay. And 
that was it. I just started the journey, you know, went to the doctor, you know, figured out what the next step was, scheduled the surgery. I had a lumpectomy. I didn't have to do anything. Um, I didn't need chemo. It wasn't in my lymph nodes. I just needed radiation. So I just followed the treatment and Four years later, here I am today. Wow. And <laughs> what was that conversation like for you and your husband and, and your children? Did you have a conversation right after or did it take some time for you to kind of let them know? Because I know that could be difficult for people. Yes, you yes. Know? I told my husband right away. Mm. Well, my husband was with me. You know, he, yeah. I, he felt the lump and everything. But it's funny. I... I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason. And we always, even when it's something bad, we have to find something positive. And I've been very um, vocal about this in the past that I have to honestly say that that cancer diagnosis saved my marriage because my husband and I were going through some a rough patch at that time. And then the diagnosis came and it brought us really close. And I say it saved our marriage. So although, you know, I'm getting this, could be deadly diagnosis, it reflourished our marriage and our love. And then together we told our children and they they took it very well. They're, you know, we're trying to raise strong children too, Absolutely. try to think positive. So it was it was tough, but in the end it worked out for the best. So I thank God. Yeah, that's amazing, you know, and and the resiliency of that and to think positive, I believe helped you to get through it and kind of eradicated probably a lot of the disease. Um, and now I know that possibly brought you, when did Zumba come into play? Your exercise, did that come before the diagnosis or that was it after? That came before. Okay. That came, I, I started doing Zumba. Well, it's funny because when Zumba first came out, mm -hmm. my sister-in-law, I went to her house and she had the VHS and she's like, look, Mari, there's this new workout I've been doing. It's like salsa merengue. And she put it in and I was like, I could do that at home. I could dance salsa merengue at home. No big deal. Right. And then a second um, DVD came out and I started watching and I said, this looks like fun. I started doing the DVD at home and then I started looking for classes in the area. I went to one class and um, it was a Caucasian woman teaching it, so it didn't quite have that flavor. <laughs> I went to the second class, same thing. I said, hmm. Then I found an instruct a Latina instructor, and, she, and it was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, was going to her classes, found um, another instructor, same thing. And then they were like, you need to do this. You love to do this. And one... Um, one instructor was in Washingtonville, one was in New Windsor, so there wasn't really anyone in the city of Newburgh. So I said, okay, and I became an instructor and started teaching classes in the city of Newburgh, and my goal was to get people moving, get people moving, exercising, and I'm you walk around, if you're with me in the city of Newburgh, everyone's like, oh, the crazy Zumba lady, that's the Zumba lady. And I'm Everybody like, knows I'm, you. I'm a pharmacist first, no, but they only know the crazy Zumba lady. <laughs> Exactly. So hey, it's it's been a journey. It's this year will be my tenth year wow. teaching Zumba, and I, and I love it. It 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 brings me joy. It brings me joy to bring others joy. It's just been a wonderful journey. Yeah. And what did it take for you to get those first classes going? Because a lot of people they may become instructors, but it's difficult to kind of start your own thing. It's you know this uh, this podcast too is also about entrepreneurship to a certain extent of 
getting out there and doing, finding your thing and then doing your thing. What was that like for you to, to start your first class? So how did you do that? Initially, it wasn't too hard because Zumba was pretty new to the area. It was like the new cool workout. So people were coming and we were having a good time. And then a couple of years into it, it kind of slowed down. I was over at the Y on Broadway in Newburgh. And at that point, there was a huge following. We'd have our classes would be packed. And then they closed. And then, you know, you know how some Latinos, they don't like change. They're not good with change. I moved to the Ritz. I moved to the Armory. And I don't, you know, the Ritz, they said down there was scary. They didn't want to go down there. The Armory. So I had a couple years where it was up and down, up and down to the point where I was like, okay, God, I'm going to stop doing this because people aren't enjoying it. I'm, I guess it's run its course. And it's the weirdest thing that when I said that, when I threw that out there, all of a sudden everybody started coming back. So, and then, you know, and it has its, it, it has its moments. Like when it, the weather gets nice, people prefer to work out outside. And, you know, I lose a couple people. Then, in the, you know, in the fall they'll come back. Or in January, forget yeah, about January. Everybody signs up. Um, <laughs> It has its ups and downs, but I, you know, I still enjoy it. I give, I give my all to my class, whether it's four people or 20 people, and they know that. So, yes, I, I, I love it. Yeah, like it, I said, it, 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 it has its ups and downs, but every time I say, you know what, I'm going to walk away, I'm going to stop, it all comes back. It all comes so. back. <laughs> and you do a great job of it, and especially with your fundraising. I know you do a lot of uh, times throughout the year, you'll do a fundraising effort for cancer awareness, and it's always packed. I always see that, and it's such a great thing that you you've able you, you were able to take that you know that time in your life that was a big struggle, and you turned it around into something that's so positive for so many people. And I'm sure throughout that, you've built relationships with people, and probably have heard tons of stories of people yes, overcoming yes, things. Yes. And to be a leader in that way is is so important for people to know that. You know, whatever it is that you go through, a lot of times things happen for you as opposed to to you and, you know, how it's helped you with your marriage. It's helped you with, you know, making sure that it continues your exercise and gives you that purpose, it, which is such an important thing that people need to understand. And um, now what of those physical attributes uh, in terms of nutrition and exercise kind of help you? to feed your mental health. And, you know, with my formula way, we work on the physical that also leads to the mental health. We talk about mindfulness, we talk about meditation, we talk about journaling or looking at things that kind of feed the mind in, in a positive way as well as sleep. Um, so just to touch upon that, what has been your journey with mental health and, 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 and how the physical health has helped that in a way for you to continue to do all the great things you're doing? Well, as a health professional and in pharmacy school, you know, I was taught the pharmacology of all the, the meds, the drugs that help with mental health. And I could, you know, I learned the drugs and I learned the pharmacology and what they do and how they affect the brain and the body and everything. I myself could never grasp like some of the mental health issues like depression because I had never suffered from it, didn't really know anyone who did, but I knew it was out there that, you know, and the, the science behind it. Then when I went into pharmacy still, you know, so many people, so many people, it's a quick fix to 
get on an antidepressant. You know, you tell the doctor, I'm not feeling well. I'm, you know, I'm not happy. Things aren't working the way, whatever, right away, they write a prescription. And that's how people like to deal with it. So, you know, that keeps me in business as a, as a pharmacist, as a healthcare professional. But I, as a Zumba instructor, I've seen Zumba and dance uplift people to the point. I feel that exercise is the best antidepressant that there is. No doubt. And, you know, don't get, as a health professional, I know there's chemical imbalances and we need to treat it with, with medications. But I feel that sometimes we need to try other outlets and I feel that exercise is the best for mental health. Absolutely. For me, it's dance and music. That's I could have the worst day at work and be in the worst mood and I'll get to my Zumba class and get through that class and be a completely different person. Just completely. So I, 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 I know that, you know, that's why I promote it so much. And I, you know, people, oh, I don't know how to dance. I don't know how to do this. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. It, it re especially in Zumba, it's, um, it affects your mental health. It also helps um, with dementia because as the, as the participant, you're watching the instructor and you're, learn you're trying to do the same moves. So your brain is constantly working. So it, 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 it helps you physically, mentally, everything, your soul, everything. I just, I can't say enough about, you know, group fitness or dance fitness because, to, you know, it's, it's the save all for me. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's what people need to recognize that, you know, me, myself working in the behavioral health field and the life coaching I, I, I do, I always encourage physical fitness and nutrition first. Without that, it's really hard for everything else to work out. And the quick fixes just don't work. And that's where you see people, a lot of times they'll go up on dosages. They'll go from 5 milligrams to 10 to 20 to 100 to 200 and won't put in that other work, exactly. which could just reduce that. You know, they can reduce those, those uh, levels. And so that's so great that you talk about that. And how do you, how do you think that that physical exercise helps you with your sleep? Because I, I, I always talk about physical exercise to help people to, to sleep well. Um, different people like to do exercise differently, you know, maybe in the morning or late at night or in even lunchtime. But I've seen the effects of physical exercise for me to help me with my sleep patterns because when I go to sleep, I'm out. And I have really good sleep because I, I know I exercise. Have you have you noticed that in yourself with, with exercise, yes, how it helps you sleep? definitely. And it's funny because that's people always tell me, Maritza, do you even sleep? Exactly. You're here, you're there, you're doing that, you're doing this. There's no way you sleep. And I'm like, you have no idea how well how well I sleep. I'm like, I hit that. I'm like, I'm yes. During the day, you'll see I'm all over the place or whatever the case may be. But when it comes time to sleep, I knock out. And I'm not I'm not a a worrier. I don't um, do you know double takes on oh should I have done that right? Should I have you know I I get through my day. I deal with it. I put it to bed and then I put myself to bed. So that that's a lot to do. You know, I, I try to exercise during the day or if I had a, a busy day at work then I and I'm tired from exercising, I'm still able to fall asleep. I leave the day behind me and I fall asleep because you know it 
I have no problems. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's great to even mention that, too, because some people think that you have to exercise all the time, every day. Blah, blah. Sometimes, you know, you, you got to balance it out to whatever level you are, whether that's age or whether that's just activity throughout the day. Exactly. Um, yeah. Whenever you can plug it in as often as possible, uh, that works for you because some people, they can do it for half an hour. Some people could do an hour. Some people could do 10, 15 minutes. Exactly. And whatever helps you to stay in that equilibrium and that flow is so important because I think that's what helps you out as well is the fact that you have this physical exercise, you focus on nutrition and you're able to just stay in the moment. And it sounds like you're able to stay in the moment and move on. And maybe the, the cancer diagnosis helped with that of like, okay, this is something serious. I have to take care of this now, but then I have to move forward. Yes, and because yes. you have two kids, because you have a husband, and uh, it's so great that you're able to identify all those things and and stay being able and being active to do the amount of things that you do. Exactly. And I believe it might be because of your sleep patterns and the exercises, you're able to do all these things and kind of live in your life, you know, and, and that's what's so great. And I've seen you, you know, going to Puerto Rico often and, and you, you visit the island. What is that experience like for you to, to kind of get reconnected to the island and going down there and all the support that you do for Puerto Rico? Mm -hmm. What is that like for you and why is it so important to you? Growing up, I would visit once every two or three years. My, grand, my mother's mother was still in Puerto Rico. My father's mother was here in New York. It wasn't until maybe like 20 years ago where I just started noticing how resilient my parents were in coming here from the island and my family and just hearing stories. And then when I was in college, my, pa my parents were in Puerto Rico when Hurricane Hugo hit. And their experience scared them so much that they didn't even want to go back. You know, they, they were so scared. And I remember I was in college and I needed money and I couldn't get in touch with them. I couldn't call them. I didn't know what was going on, if they were okay. I couldn't get in touch with any of my family. And then um, a couple of years back when Maria hit, I had at that point started visiting more. We have friends that bought a house over there, so we were going with them. And just the resiliency of the people and everything, and, and learning my history too, because when I went to college, I, um, I remember I went to a mixer for a sorority. And it was considered a black sorority. And I raised my hand and I was like, do Latinas participate in these sororities? And they looked at me. And I, one of the ladies said, um, you, do you know who Arturo Schomburg is? And I said, no. She said, you need to go to the Arturo Schomburg Center and learn your history. He's a, he's a black Puerto Rican. He's the, the king of black history. You need to find out who you are. And my parents never spoke about, you know, Puerto Rican, but they never spoke, you know, and, and it's funny because in my family, you'll see the gamut. My, my father's mother, blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm -hmm. My mother's mother's black, kinky hair. So and I have... everything in between. Air, That's and everything yeah. in between. And so, and when my dad went to marry my mom, his mom said... Oh, she's too dark. She, you're gonna ruin the family. Isn't that but amazing? 
we're all from the same place. Exactly. You know? So when I when I went to college and started doing my research and, learn, and learning my ancestry and everything, I would come home and talk to my parents and, and kind of, you know, teach my parents. My, my dad wasn't as <laughs> embracing yeah, with yeah. my mom. And so just like I said, as the years went on and I learned more about um, our history and then just, you know, seeing my family, what they went through. And then a couple years back when Maria hit mm. and just saw just how they made it through that. And now recently with these earthquakes, they're still moving ahead. And I, I, I can't even imagine the mental health issues going down there right now. Big I time. can't. I'm I'm anxious for them. I have anxiety for them. So I can't even imagine being on that island. So I j- I'm just so proud of the island and the people and what they've overcome and what they're fighting for now and what they're still doing. It's it's I I plan to retire there. Yeah. You know. I'm done here. I'm going straight back to that island. That's great. Yeah, and that resiliency just it, it it goes through our veins, which is which is amazing, and and all the the racial things throughout. Because I have the same thing in my family of the, mm-hmm. you know, the different colors and the different. And, and to me, I love yeah. that. I love the I fact love that we're all too. three. Oh we my have, God. I love Dino, it. We're, we're black. We're white. We have everything in inside of us, and I think it just makes us uh, such a robust uh, people. You know, and well, there is a study. There is a study based out of, um, I think it's England, it Mm -hmm. um, might be Cambridge or something, that the genetic makeup of Puerto Ricans is the most perfect human being based on our genes. Mm. So, you know, I always tell people, yeah, because I'm perfect. I'm perfect. (laughs) You know, there's a study about it. I'll take that. I'll take it. There's a study about it. But yes, because we're that that hodgepodge of everything, it makes us genetically closest to the what a perfect person would be wow so yeah. that i thought that I'll was take so it. awesome when, <laughs> so, when i saw that read that study i said oh, yeah i'll take that yeah <laughs> some if anybody wants to refute it oh well it. we're gonna fight about it <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah and that's what's so great about the island and, and that connection to the people and i believe that leads into spirit you know the the, the spiritual health part of the my formula way what i call freedom in the spirit is really about what's inside, what's in, what's our inspiration, yes, why yes. we believe what we believe in. And, you know, I, I always believe that religion is a pathway to your spirituality. Um, people may think differently, and that's fine too. But really, our spirit is what we're all made of. And and so, in terms of that, what part of you have you been able to develop in terms of your belief system and in terms of your vibrancy and your creativity and being able to express yourself? What what has come about in your life, in your journey, and how have you developed that into what you are today? Looking back to my ancestors, mm. yes, has been very, has been a guiding force in my spirituality. I, a couple of visits back to Puerto Rico, I went to uh, um, indigenous tribal area when I walked in, there was no one there, it was just me and my girlfriend. And just walking in there, like I felt the presence of my ancestors. I felt something come over me. On my bucket list, Africa. I must visit Africa, I must visit Spain, because yeah. this this is my origin, this together. is where it all came from. So yeah, just just researching 
my ancestry and and just you know how how right now I'm very into the whole bomba y plena because you know that's so part that's such a big part of our history and some of the fusion of it. Yeah, that's that's what guides me. That's awesome. Yeah. And what and I'm sure that has led you to be able to create events in the summer and in the winter. Tell us a little bit about the events that you help put together in terms of salsa and and fun and things like that over at Safe Harbors and things of that nature. What kind of led you to get involved in that and what are those about? Well, I'm all about diversity and um Newburgh at times I've always I've been in Newburgh all my life mm -hmm. and I've always felt that Newburgh has been very black and white and the Latinos kind of are in the background but Newburgh is more than 50% Latino yep. but even like and it's always been a struggle with me because I'm like you know flyers come out or events come out and it's in English and I'm like we have Spanish speaking people here like we need to reach out to them like this isn't just a black and white city it's a black, brown, and white city, and we need to include everyone. I'm very happy that I found Safe Harbors. Safe Harbors has allowed me to create events and um, to bring our culture and the Latino culture of Newburgh to the forefront. And so it's it's been amazing. We've been there's a group of us that have come together and we do our salsa under the stars, where we um, highlight a lot of the Latino culture in Newburgh, whether it's you know Peruvian, Mexican, Puerto Rican, Honduran. We've done different things, you know, showcase different things in that aspect. They've um, allowed me to teach Zumba. They've allowed me to do fundraisers for Puerto Rico. I've done fundraisers for Mexico. I've so I'm I'm very grateful to them that they've allowed me to you know share my culture and the city's culture with Newburgh. Absolutely, and do a great job at that. And we <laughs> thank, thank you. you for that because it's it's a huge thing for the community and a huge thing for people to just get connected. And that kind of leads us into the love in my heart aspect of the My Formula way of emotional health. You know, it's all about loving yourself, learning how to share your experiences, doing acts of kindness and building that trusting relationship. And I always talk about trusting relationship with yourself first and then with your loved ones and then your community. So what has loving yourself and taking care of yourself meant for your relationships? Because, you know, you did, it was great that you got vulnerable enough to talk about you and your husband, um, which is so important, too, because when you're in a long-term relationship, you know, over 20 years or whatever, it, it, you're going to go through, through yes, these ups yes, and downs. Yes, yes. So what has loving yourself meant to you? And as it's meant to you, how that's translated into your relationships with your husband, children, and community? It's very important. And uh, a lot of women, myself included, didn't start loving myself until I was older. And, you know, I was... When I was younger, I was quiet. I didn't voice things as much as I do now. And, you know, insecurities, whatever, you know, society, society what they expect from you. And, you know, in my 20s was when I, you know, came into myself, came, you know, found my voice. And now, you know, I preach that to young women. I preach it to my daughter. I preach it to, you know, family members that, 
you need to love yourself first. You need to respect yourself, have other re people respect you. And then when you're in that place, then give it forward. I'm a true believer that what we give, if we, if we give from our heart, it comes back tenfold. So, you know, and, and some, you know, sometimes my, my family will get upset with me and say, oh, you know, you're doing too much here, or you're doing too much there, or you give too much. Sometimes my husband gets upset with me. He doesn't quite understand. And then when we get blessings, I'm like, I truly believe that blessing is because of, you know, what I'm out there doing or what we're, we're as a family are out there doing. And sometimes they don't understand that they're like, oh, she's dragging me to something else again. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, here we, we have to do this. But I, 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 you know, I, I tell them, you have to believe what you give out comes back. And you, and you have to do it from the heart, not because you think you're going to get something back, but you have to feel, you know, you have to help others. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's you know, that's just the way. And how were you able to work on your relationship with your husband? Like, what were the key elements that you were able to kind of find other than the fact of the diagnosis? But really, what were you able to find after all this time that kind of, oh, wow, I didn't think about that before. But now it's now I see how that's important in our relationship. Was there any any key points that you were able to find since that time? That life is precious and mm. tomorrow's not promised. We have to love fiercely now and and. You know, it's not easy. Marriage isn't easy. It's it's work. It's it's work and building a family and the different you know the dynamics, the different thoughts and mind. You know how how you come together as a family. It's it's a lot of hard work, but it's worth it. Yeah, it, it it's really worth it. And your relationship with your kids, because you're an amazing mom. Uh, what does that relationship mean to you with your your son and daughter, who are just Two amazing human beings. Oh, thank you. Um, it really is great to just uh, be in their presence because you can see mm -hmm. the hard work that you and your husband have done to kind of cultivate these amazing human beings. Um, there's an amazing one behind the camera over there too, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I always got to shout that out. But um, what's that relationship like for you in terms of, of being a mom? Just to, you know, show them unconditional love and to even when they make mistakes, Tell them you still love them. You know, share your mistakes with them. You know, you, they can't, you know, you can't seem like you're the perfect parent or the perfect person. So be vulnerable with them. You know, ex you know, share some of your mistakes and what you've learned. And, and just to, you know, constantly let them know you love them no matter what. Yeah. Whatever happens. Excellent. And, uh, you know, just so many gems you threw down here, which was <laughs> so amazing. Because... Learning how to work through health and wellness, learning how to work through, you know, being told things that change your life um, and then learning how to just work hard along this path of, of the journey of life is just so important for our listeners to hear, embrace and understand and 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 know that other people have been through it. Yes, I think that's yes, the, the yes. key thing. And then being the mentor like you are, I think it's just so important for young adults to find that, there, oh, there are people out there. And there is, oh, there's a pharmacist. Oh, and she's Latina. Wow, maybe that's something I can do one day. Mm -hmm. um, or even if it's not that, it's something of achievement that they can go toward. And it's a great profession, and it's, and it's a great livelihood, I'm sure. Um, so is there anything you have coming up that people should know about? I know your Zumba classes happen, and you know people might want to listen to or be and, and, and be a part of uh, anything that you got involved coming up. Well, I'm at the Armory Okay. every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. and every Saturday at 8 a.m. for Zumba. 
And um, that's another great organization, the Armory. They they do just amazing things for the community and the children in the community. So it's something, you know, everyone should look into. There's free programs, everything imaginable for your kids to learn. Um, I actually have this Sunday, we have a uh, Black History Month event at Safe Harbors that I'm hosting. And we have performances from a lot of the youth in the area. And then on Monday, that's the 23rd, Sunday the 23rd, that's at Safe Harbors 107 Broadway. And then Monday, I'm part of a um, NFA fundraiser for Puerto Rico. And I'm, um, I choreographed some dances for some of the girls, and we're going to do salsa lessons. So just a few of the things I'm working on. <laughs> awesome. No, that's so great. And thank you once again for being on the, on the show. And you know, I look forward to doing more events with you and, and being involved more in the community. And I thank you once again. Oh, I thank you for having me. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you. <laughs> All right.